Hello, this is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. Does anybody really know a bazillion ghost stories? But then again, aren't all stories set in the past ghost stories? Well, by this time, Short Run was last week, and I have put it up, but I hope it was a great show. But right now, we're getting on to the next thing. And I was listening to This Is Actually Happening, another favorite podcast, and they're talking about women who were drugged by a Trump supporter. And so more and more women are kind of looking to see if somebody is a Trump supporter or if they are QAnon. And I think that uh, there may be evidence that somebody was reading my Facebook page because I talked about how Trump supporters try to see if you're an ally. And the first thing they do is talk about how hard it is to use pronouns. And very quickly, these bad people, um, they'll, they'll try everything. They'll try, they'll try uh, anti-vaccine. They'll try everything. They'll try to see if you are a bad person like they are. And I recently ran into somebody in a professional situation, and it had been a friendly conversation, but I very quickly made it quite clear I was not QAnon. I was not a Trump supporter. And the next time I ran into this person in a professional situation, um, that person was polite, but that was it. And I had simply used the phrases bad people and good people, and I don't think she liked that. She, well, I guess I said that. <laughs> well, so uh, if, you're, if you're reading my Facebook page, I am going to beg book. But uh, I got a note down here. Um, Nazis as a cult. Well, we all know the Nazis are a cult, and QAnon's a cult, and all the Trump supporters are a cult. And they're starting to fall apart a lot. Um, there's something that happened over on... Uh, I guess it was YouTube or TikTok, a uh, girl phoned a guy, then, and I think what happened was he merely saw that she had an LGBTQ t-shirt on, and he lost his mind. Do I have to tell you he had a big black truck for compensation and, and American flags hanging off the bat, and he's screaming at her, and at one point he calls her a dyke, and she says, I get more pussy than you do, and he just... It get madder and madder and madder. She went around and photographed his license plate. He tried to back over it. It's like, do you not realize that humans move, move faster than a fucking truck? These things have no maneuverability. And uh, then he, you know, he's so snarly and angry. You need to be taken out of the gene pool because everything is about breeding to them. Um, and she just snapped back. You have no hair. And the look on his face. These clowns all shave their heads without realizing that your hair lets people know how healthy you are. Uh, and uh, the look on his face when she said, you have no hair. So if you hear that line going around, um, that's a comeback to the cultists. And always remember, uh, if uh, we had had social media, Hitler would be a joke. And remember that the 2016 election, um, it was stolen. And I had my vote stolen, and a lot of people had their votes stolen. So when the right wing started accusing us of stealing an election, it was just projection from the cult. (music) 
we were watching Into the Woods, and you have the Cinderella business where in order for Cinderella to get to go to the ball, she has to pick out lentils that her stepmother has thrown into the ashes in the hearth. And if you look at fairy tales, of course, they're talking about earlier ways of doing things, earlier traditions. And throwing lentils into ashes, that sounds more like something that would have been done on the quarter day that we now call Halloween or Samhain um, to predict the future. Throw lentils into the ashes and wherever they land, or if you burn them or pick them out or however you do it. It sounds like fortune-telling. It sounds like the original use of bobbing for apples. These were all fortune-telling. I want to see what your next year was like because this was kind of seen as the beginning of a year. And it is, of course, an astronomical holiday, Halloween is, uh, because it's a quarter day. It's between the, the solstice and the um, equinox. So just looking at the Cinderella story, I'm thinking, um, hmm, maybe it was just fortune-telling. And another thing about Cinderella is the cutting of the stepdaughter's feet um, to make them fit the shoe. Cinderella, the oldest records we have of a Cinderella tale, even though it is the most widespread tale in the world, everybody has it, but the oldest one that we know of that was written down is from China. And I wonder if the timeline lines up with the cutting of the feet to make them fit the tiny shoes with the bound feet tradition in which uh, girls' feet were broken and shrunk to fit tiny shoes. Okay, I'm going to do a little book review here. Um, first of all, well, it's a book review and it's a YouTube channel. Uh, if you have knee pain, any kind of back or knee pain or leg pain, you want to get over to Bill and Bob's YouTube commentary channel. And they are um, physical therapists uh, who offer up all kinds of good advice and show you how to do it, whether you follow it or not. Anyway, let me just read this, what I just posted on Facebook. Got knee pain? Bill and Bob's YouTube commentary on manipulating the kneecap. Stare, heaven, hell advice. Good knee up, bad knee, foot down. Uh, proper can, um, cane use plus heat and tendon recommendations in Hanyu's The Curious Human Knee has me walking again and almost pain-free. Um, this is important advice. Uh, you really do want to go get um, Hanyu's book because she shows you a complete breakdown, pardon the pun, for your knees and how the tendons all work and what is working and things that can go wrong with knee replacement. And for God's sakes, never, uh, you know, you got these little discs called the meniscus in your knees. Never let them remove them. They need to be stitched down and heal if they do anything. But the best thing you can do is manipulate your kneecap, roll that thing around, you'll feel the tendons breaking. Uh, you got adhesion in there is what you got, and that will help a lot. Uh, also, don't try to get rid of inflammation because inflammation is healing. Uh, it's your body fighting the problem, um, and you don't want cold. You never want cold on your knee or any other joint for that matter. Cold kills pain. That's all it does. It does not help heal. Heat helps heal. It gets the blood vessels open, it gets the system working, it speeds everything up. So do not use cold 
that is just a painkiller, and you don't want to be doing that. Uh, also, don't be taking painkillers because you need to exercise that leg, and you need to know what you're doing or not, whether or not you're stressing it. Uh, always have a cane with you. Use it on the opposite side, not like house of the knee. He's just calling himself, causing himself problems. Use it on the opposite leg uh, away from uh, your bad leg, and you'll find you can almost run that way. But don't take the painkillers, exercise, uh, get your back in shape, get your thighs in shape and your shins, and uh, keep heat on that leg. Elevate it sometimes, but actually elevation is going to help that much because it's going to keep the blood flow down, and you want the blood to flow. So it's keep it warm, keep it usable. Um, I got a cat named Bear who likes to be on my knee, so... Uh, you can always use a cat, and you can also, if you don't want to use a heating pad, you can use a good old hot water bottle. Thank you, uh, Queen Elizabeth, who always had her little porcelain water bottle with her, or her regular water bottle. So, uh, Han Yu's The Curious Human Knee, you really should read it, and it also talks about how people of color ha might have more knee problems than Europeans, but then, again, they're doing all the studies on Europeans, which is a minority, instead of... Like the human genome, they screwed up there. They put the genome on on Europeans. And that is a bad reading. It's completely bad reading. It doesn't help with anything. It doesn't help Europeans either. Um, because that, that's, that's, just a, that's just bad science to, to put the genome on just one little isolated group. And it really is an isolated group compared to everybody else, whether they like it or not. So, yeah, go get those books and uh, might help you to walk a bit. And like I say, get your kneecap and manipulate it around, and you're going to feel things crackling loose in there. It's like giving yourself your own Reiki. I mean, don't push it. Don't try to break your kneecap out. But, you know, wobble it around a little bit. That's what it needs, because if you've got arthritis, you're going to get adhesions, and you want to start working those out. So get out there and help with your knees. We're in the middle of guessing we got to buy the White Album again. If you anybody saw the scene in Men in Black, uh, we're replacing some of our VHS tapes with DVD and Blu-ray because we figure that'll get us through. We're both in our 70s. Yeah, we're at that time of life where you go, oh, I won't have to do that again. Um you put a roof on, you say, that's the last time I'll have to do that. And that's terribly satisfying. Uh, that reminds me, I'm reading um, From Here to Eternity by Caitlin Doherty, and she's talking about the method of getting rid of stuff in your house. People hate to throw things away, but what you do is thank them for their service, like the Japanese thank broken needles by sticking them in tofu. And uh, so I got to the new... Blu-ray with the Johnny Depp, um, Sweeney Todd, and Tim Burton was talking about how Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter are not professional singers, and then I started thinking about the original Sweeney Todd, and yes, there's professional singers in it. They got Angela Lansbury. She's not necessarily a professional singer. And then I got to thinking about the actual music of Sondheim, and if you look at Sondheim, um, except for a very few specially written songs, like the uh, soprano part in Sweeney Todd for the girl, uh, for the ingenue, most of them are within an easy range. 
But the thing they do have that actors would be able to do and do very well is the complicated lyrics. If you listen to a lot of professional singers through history and through you know, rock and roll bands and pop music and everything else, there's an awful lot of repetition. But in Sondheim, the lyrics are incredibly complicated. They're complicated the way actors have to memorize. So if you want to sing Sweeney Todd, you don't so much look for professional singers, um, you look for actors, because they can remember those complicated lyrics, and they can learn enough of breath control and rhythm to be able to sing those lyrics. So it's a much more um, uh, democratic way of singing than some of the, uh, like the Farinelli parts, uh, the high so the soprano contralto part parts, the great castrato of the, of the uh, what is it, 17th century, uh, the guy that basically, according to the movie, drove Handel out of making any more music. But you can sing a Sondheim, especially if you're an actor. So go get somebody who can remember their... Remember their lines, and they'll figure out how to sing. And the other thing about Sweeney Todd, uh, Sweeney Todd was extremely popular as a character in um, Penny Dreadfuls and plays, etc., uh, in the early part of the 19th century. And, of course, it's about a barber, the demon barber of Fleet Street. And in the 18th century, you will see that the English are very clean-shaven. You don't see a lot of mustaches or beards or anything on anybody. But then you get to the 19th century, and uh, people are being very complex about what they wear, and they're very cultivated. In other words, they do things to their bodies and their clothing to do, you know, one step beyond the natural. But the men start wearing these god-awful beards, and they're completely covered. Um, some of them might have some nice little mustaches or something, but most of them have got their throats covered. And I wonder if the popularity of Sweeney Todd made it so that somebody who would normally go in and have a shave, and a lot of people got shaved by professional barbers, uh, after seeing Sweeney Todd, you didn't want that razor any place near your neck. What if your barber had just had a bad day or a fit or electricity went up, up his arm or something? There's somebody else with a razor, and it's in your hand. So well, I'm just wondering if the... Um, there's a correlation between the popularity of the play in the books Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, and everybody in the 19th century being just as hairy as any other main ape. Something of uh, a movie review of No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. And this thing is about as close to an old Buster Keaton comedy as it can be. Yeah, it features some absolute nudity. She comes up off the beach to beat up some people that are stealing her clothes. And her, um, well, let's call her boyfriend. Uh, that's, it's a complicated situation. Well, not really. It's the usual thing of <sighs> parents or guys trying to pop their son's cherry. Um, they're from brutal stories, but these guys are trying to do it a little more delicately. Matthew Broderick plays the dad. Um, but she comes up out of the water stark frickin' naked and proceeds to get into a nasty fight with these three other teenagers, although um, nobody's a teenager here, the only teenager's kid on the beach. Um, and she is stark naked, and it is the least sexy scene you are ever going to see in your life. She does some brutal gymnastics in this fight, 
and at least two people get cr- kicked in the crotch, including her. You could just feel it. And she, like I say, she's stark naked, but it is not sexy. It's hilarious. But uh, it's, it's quite the good fight, and uh, they ain't hiding nothing, <laughs> literally. But there's another thing about this movie, and let me just tell you, there's a dog in it named Milo. And this is a classic setup, setup gag. If you don't like spoilers, skip to the next section. You meet Milo. He's an ex-cop. He's got, uh, I don't know if it's an addiction to cocaine or an addiction to finding cocaine. But he starts out being introduced to her by the kid that she's going to have to try to diverginate, to deflower. Um... And Milo, you can't see the word cocaine around him. Next time that you see the dog, she uses the word as a weapon. The guy is giving her a hard time. And so she says cocaine, dog goes for him. Now, in a lot of movies, um, now at that point, you start to worry about Milo. What about Milo? Uh, a lot of movies, they just forget it. A lot of movies kill the animal. They just put the animal in there to kill. It's ridiculous. And that's why they fade. Those Hitchcock movies that you never heard of, great movies, but they kill the animal. So um, you never heard of them. But... Like I say, this is a spoiler alert. At the end, uh, she brings up the subject of uh, the boy who has since, you know, grown up. Everything's turned out okay. Uh, nutty as it did. Um, but she mentions she's got a boyfriend. He's And the kid is like, oh, really? Yeah, she's, he, she says, he's an ex-cop. And right there, your brain starts to go, wait a minute. And then she says, he's addicted. He's got an addiction. And you know who it is. And he says, I don't know if I'll like him. She says, oh, I think he will. She opens the door, and there's Milo. So Milo goes off to California. She takes him to the boy to Princeton, and Milo and her head off to California. But it makes it a perfect movie in that they've got a set-up, set-up gag, and they didn't leave the dog behind. They introduced the dog, they reintroduced the dog, and they did not leave the dog. And it's another one of those uh, make-your-own-family movies. So it's fun. It's a a fun little movie. They even... um, Take a moment when she's complaining about wealthy white people moving in and raising the taxes for poor white people or middle-class white people like her. There is a native actor. He plays the sheriff um, on Reservation Dogs. And she says, you know what that feels like? And he looks at her and she goes, oh, yeah. So they take a moment to recognize that people of color go through this crap every single day. But this is another story about a different group of people. But they do take that moment to recognize it. Maybe it's not a big recognition, but it is there. Anyway, it's a fun movie, and it's well acted. And Jennifer Lawrence has been called in this movie the female Big Lebowski, or the female Lebowski, and she kind of she kind of takes that role and runs with it. it it's uh, I, I'd play this one on the same weekend that I played Weekend at Bernie's. I think they belong together, and uh, maybe. Maybe not with The Big Lebowski, because that's, that's a powerhouse of a film. But these two kind of belong together. And so, go enjoy. Your library probably has it. No hard feelings. How many of you use movie lines to talk to the cats? I've already told you that Bear, who looks like a cat that my sister had, a male, um, we call her Pouty Batface, because she looks like that pouty child as a bat in Hotel Transylvania. And there is another line from that movie, and whenever the cats want something, want outdoors, want to help with stuff, 
uh, getting into the things I shouldn't be in. Um, I don't tell them to stop that. You don't need that. I tell them, you don't need a mannequin. Because that's what Dracula says to one of his zombies who's taken off with a mannequin. God knows what he's going to do with that. But that's what they get told. And it doesn't matter what they're doing. So if you're ever at my house and you hear me turn around in a bad Transylvanian accent, go, you don't need a mannequin. That's what that's about. And uh, I'd be perfectly happy if anybody wants to send me messages or anything to let me know what other silly lines that mean no business at all. They don't have any idea what, the, what anybody else would mean with that line that they use on their animals. And as I just told uh, Todd Hoyp, who's doing a bunch of – oh, it's a, it's he's, he's over on Facebook or someplace. He's doing um, – reading out – people's pet names and putting them on yellow bricks to form the yellow brick road. I don't know how permanent that's going to be. But I told him that the neighbor's dog was named Walter when I was a kid, and my sister, with her weird baby talk, called him Bot Deedly Wodge. And I'm not even going to try to explain, but that made perfect sense to us when we heard her silly language. And you know, I'm sure a linguist could figure out how that works. Bought Deedly Wodge. I think some that were in there that the word is actually means Walter Dog. But she calls him Bought Deedly Wodge. And I think it is a natural progression from the name Walter Dog. And uh, there's another thing that we did that was possibly with two languages. Um, there was Warner Brothers Latin. We've all heard it. Surprisicus, surprisicus. But when I was a kid, we called anything small and cute a bookie, which is evidently Gaelic for little cute thing, right? Shelly bookie means a snail. But we would then add on the U.S. ending of the Warner Brothers Latin, and then we would call anything small and cute a bookus. Look at you, you cute little bookus. So that's where that comes from. Um, so... Messages from your family about strange languages they've built themselves would be highly welcome. You can send me messages or email me. Um, I've got the information down in the, in the notes. Would you like to be part of this podcast? You can go to anchor.fm slash Donna dash bar and you can leave me a voice message with your story that can become part of this podcast. If you would rather have me read it, send a PDF or PDFA double spaced larger type to Donna bar one at gmail.com. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Donna Barr. And finally, if you would like to know anything about what I've done in my life that has to do with my work, conventions, etc., go to DonnaBarr.com. Hope to see you there. I will also put all this information in the program notes. spooky